16, if you will. We'll let everybody kind of come in as they come. And uh, I know it's Memorial Day, so I figured if five of us showed up, we're good to go. It's worth the power bill. But a uh, few more than five are here, and that's good. So everybody gets, I don't know, go up and lay in the dirt. Who knows, you know, but we enjoy it. So uh, Romans chapter 16, we're now down in verse 26, but let's just read the three verses in here. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And, and again, as we've, we've just spent quite a, a bit of time in verse 25, and we've been looking at the details of the edification process, where Paul has clearly released us to the divine, the divine design, but then also to further growth and further edification. So he says here, and again, we've been looking at the issues here of my gospel and, and that design to, to establish, the, to stabilize the believer, and then to, that will then allow the believer to ward off and to defend the attacks of the adversary listed warning to us in verse 17 and 18. And really then we're exhorted to move on in the life in Christ and that further, uh, further development, further edification, further growth. And so he starts with my gospel. And that's what the book of Romans is all about, that foundational issue of grace and my gospel and... In addition to that, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. And, and then, so then now that's that advanced doctrine where we're going to preach Jesus Christ in a new manner, in a new light, in an additional role, in a new role. However you need to have it, understand that we're not discounting the Old Testament or, or the Gospels or at all, but we're at actually shining a brighter light. Prophecy gives a very limited view of the, of the Lord, of the Messiah. He's just doing this. Paul comes in and says, here's what else he's doing also, and, and opens it up. So we looked at the who, what, when, and where. And then next week, Lord willing, <laughs> we're going to answer the why and the how, and that's in verse 27. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever amen and we're going to spend about three weeks there because in the why why did god keep the mystery a mystery that's a great you got to have you got to understand answer that question and then it's how is all this going to be accomplished so that's the why and the how and we'll get into that but but today i want to look especially here at verse 26 because of what the verse says and what it doesn't say he says, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, be uh, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. I want to look at that issue about the by the scriptures of the prophets, because we need to be very careful here in, in, in grasping, understanding how and what Paul is after, because this verse gets used to deny the truth of the word of God rightly divided, to, to, to look back and say it's back there, really it's just hidden, and Paul shines a light on it, and now we can see it. And, and that's just not the case. So when we, and, it, and really it hinges on that word and in that verse 26. And it's amazing in your scriptures how the Lord in his earthly ministry can hang doctrine on one word. Paul's doing the same thing. Okay, actually in Ephesians, he'll say, Ephesians 2, if you look at verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Usually, you know what they say? At the cross. And he didn't do it at the cross, he did it how? By the cross, see. 
Again, hanging doctrine on one, actually there, two-letter word. So the issue of and, okay? And then it's, so it's going to be, is it an and? Go back to Romans 16. The and in verse 25, according to my gospel and the preaching, that and is an and of addition. So we've got step one and step two, okay? So the question now in verse 26 is, but is made manifest and by the scripture. And is that an addition to, or is that an and of explanation? Because an and can explain something. All right. How so? In so if it's an and of addition, it's step three. Or is it an and of explanation of explaining how? the revelation of the mystery, this preaching of Jesus Christ according to revelation of the mystery, was made known because how does verse 26 start? But now is made manifest. How did that happen? So there's an explanation issue that could be looked at it that way as well. So I'll, there's really going to kind of be three views this morning, I hope. <laughs> We're going to go quickly. So the believer today in the dispensation of grace... How, how is this stuff manifested? How, how is the edification designed for the believer today made manifest? And we need to be grounded in my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. But the question is, is do we then need to be, in addition to that, all of the stuff in the Old Testament so to, to, to be grounded? So, and that really then gets into, and again, all of this is going to be caveated by we need to be careful, all right? Because I'll give you my opinion. I'll give it to you now, okay? My opinion is, is you can read that and in both manners, addition or explanation, okay? And be okay what, depending on how you read it. The and of addition, you have to be very careful in how you say things, how you're going to explain it. Because it can cause the listener, the hearer, to think you're going to say that, you know what? The mystery truth has already been revealed back in the prophetic scriptures. They just didn't know it. They didn't see it. And now what Paul's doing is he's shining a big light and he's providing information that allow us to go and understand the Old Testament better in a new light. And what leads us to that, honestly, are the new Bibles that are on the market. Okay? Because what they will say is, as was foretold in the prophetic scripture. See? So what does that lend us to believe? Go back over and it's there. We just need Paul to do what? See it. And the, 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 there's, uh, we'll just outrightly deny that. Okay? So we have to be, we're, we need, do, are, do we need to be able to understand the whole Bible? Yes. Okay, that's not the issue. And actually, we, we should understand the whole Bible because we understand right division and because we understand dispensational Bible study. We need to understand the whole Bible and we can understand it with the greatest clarity. Because right division protects some, some of the lunacy that sometimes gets in there. Um, we, again, some will say to understand what Paul's saying, you've got to have the three categories in my gospel, the, revelation, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to revelation of the mystery, and you've got to have the scriptures of the prophets, which result in a well-rounded uh, understanding of God's word. And you know what? That's legitimate. And yes, it's true. Okay. But if we take that and of addition, another category, that's true. But we have to be careful with that. Because again, it's how you say things, how you're articulating it. And if we take the and of explanation, how does it manifest the means of it? How does it get done? Then we're there. So when you read this verse, you have, again, you have to be very careful about the scriptures of the prophets. Okay. Now, the new Bibles, again, they will say, as was foretold by, as the prophets foretold. Okay. 
And that leads most of Christianity to believe what? That the revelation of the, the mystery, the sacred secret was always back there. It just wasn't known and we couldn't see it, see. And yet really, that's, the prophets foretold it. It's there. You just got to have the eyes of understanding. So who do, you, who do you need? Well, we need Paul because he talks about it. And then Paul's going to shine a light and so forth. And again, he, they say, see, Paul uses, he tells us what the Old Testament is using when they use their types and their shadows and their pictures. And what he's really talking about is you and I today in the age of grace because we replace Israel, we are spiritual Israel. And so you just go right down this rabbit hole here and that is just not the case at all. So when they say that, just stick your ears, stick your fingers in your ears, wait for their mouths to quit moving, and then listen, okay? Because they don't understand what they're talking about. And again, by the way, we've already seen in our study in verse 25, the my gospel clearly indicate that Paul says what? Galatians 1, I never got it from anybody, I never heard it from anybody, it's, it's not back there. So we can reject that idea if we can, all right? Because I really want to look at the other two ideas, the and of addition and then the and of explanation. We understand the truth of, of my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. And then the and in addition, then in addition to that, we come to the Old Testament and the prophetic scriptures and then we can understand that and we can benefit from that. And that is a true statement. We can do that. Come over to Romans 15. We can understand that. We can say it is an and of addition in that we can properly understand the Old Testament with what? Because well, we have a clarity. We have the big picture. We have the, the, by the way, I told you 15. Go back there to 16 just real quick. So we can, we can understand that. And actually, if you look at verse 26, how it ends, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. You see, God's design for edification is for what? Obedience. But it's the obedience of faith. So when we look at this and we say we can go back and because we have the revelation of the mystery, we can go back in and understand the Old Testament prophets and scriptures you have to be very careful because what could that lead you to say? It's always been back there. We just needed Paul to shine the light. See? See how... You, do you under, okay? I didn't get my new Bibles out, but it's pretty rough. All right? But even though that's not what we're saying, we're saying something else, aren't we? See? It's the obedience of faith. And that's where Romans 15 verse 4 comes in. Because it is a true statement that we can go back in and we can understand the Old Testament and the prophetic scriptures. But, we have, again, you've you got to be careful. It is an impossibility for you to obey the prophetic truths and the mystery truths at the same time. You cannot do that. How do you know that? Romans 11, verse 6. Romans 11, 6. And if by grace, and it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace, but if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. Paul's already dealt with that. You can't mix work and grace, and the Old Testament is full of works. Literal, physical, visible activity that they need to have and to produce to bring in a literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic kingdom. See, it's a physical thing. Well, you and I, we don't operate in that realm. So look at 15.4. That, that's why, if you want to say and in addition, that's a legitimate statement. You're just going to have, going to, have to be very clear in what, we're going to, what you're going to say. Look at 15.4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our obedience. No, for our what? Our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So should we study the Old Testament? Yes. <laughs> okay, but what are we going to study it? As an obedience of faith or for our learning? For our learning. 
And again, when we, we, uh, we talked about this, when, when we look at the Old Testament for our learning, not obedience, but our learning, the first thing that happens is that we will not confuse who we are as the members of the body of Christ with the people that God's using in that moment in the Old Testament. So in other words, we would never say that we are Israel. We are the little flock. We are the believing remnant. We would never say that. Why? Because we know who we are. We're looking back at the Old Testament to do what? To learn something. To see something of God's righteousness, of His integrity, of His justice, of His holiness. And when we went through this passage, I'm kind of repeating what we studied this, because when you go back in the Old Testament for you and I, from Paul's perspective, we begin to see who God is. That's the only way we can know who God is, is by seeing the Old Testament. And that's one of the reasons why Paul quotes the Old Testament more than any other Bible writer in, in, in the book. He quotes it all the time because it's a drawback and look. So we would never confuse who we are with the little flock or the nation of Israel in the back, in, in, in the Old Testament. But we would, never, we would never read the church, the body of Christ, into the Old Testament scriptures. Now, notice verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime. We'll go back up to verse 3. But even Christ pleased not himself. Now watch Paul. But as it is fulfilled. No, as it is what? As it is written. The reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime. Well, what was written aforetime? Psalm 69. What he just quoted in verse 3. So obviously, Paul is going to quote now Psalm 69. And then in verse 4, he's going to make a reference to the Old Testament. And he says, listen, guys, what, what is transpiring in Psalm 69 is critical in our learning. Not obedience, but learning. By the way, drop down to verse 18. Verse 18. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles, what? Obedient by word or, I'm sorry, by word and deed. So what does Paul say? Paul says, your obedience lies in what I've taught you, word and deed not what the Old Testament is talking about. So very clearly, he does what? <laughs> Prior to Acts 9, it isn't you, so don't go there. Go there to learn. Go there to see. And we can learn from it. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to take a few minutes and just kind of go through that. Go back with me to Romans 1. Because I, I, I'm pull, trying to pull out some illustrations in Romans where Paul does this. Okay? Romans 1. So we're talking about 1626 and, by the way, it doesn't say for the scriptures of the prophets. It says what? By the scriptures. It doesn't say because of the scriptures of the prophets. It says, by, okay, the, the new Bibles are quirky. And by the way, your new King James is even, it's even more dastardly because it leaves it by the scriptures of the prophets, but it footnotes it and says, you choose which way you would like it to read. You want to read the old stuff, the old, you know, old manuscripts, or you want to leave it, it's up to you. We'll let you be your judge, your final authority. And that's more dastardly than really any of them, because the final authority sits right there on the page. You got Romans 1. Look at verse 2. Verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Now watch the parenthesis. Which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So what's Paul, Paul, what did Paul just do to you? He just drug you into the Old Testament, didn't he? See that? Concerning who? His son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and to be declared the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Do you see what Paul just did? He just drug you back to the, to the situation that Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, that big umbrella term, is concerning who? His son, Jesus Christ, but in what manner? In what method? The 
as the seed of who? David, and then the issue of resurrection. So Paul, now think about what he's doing here. He'll say in Timothy, remember that Jesus Christ was raised, uh, 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 of, of the seed of David was raised according to my gospel. And you go, how in the world could you say that? Well, 1, 3, and 4 help you. Look at verse 3. Con concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Is it to our benefit to learn something about the royal right to the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, it is. It is greatly to our benefit. Why? Because Colossians 2, he says, we're complete in him, who is the head of all principal. He's the king, the ruler. He's the king of kings, lord of lords. I need to know all about that. I should understand that. I, I'm, not doing, I'm not worshiping the Lord as the king in the seat of David. I just understand that his claim to the throne is what? Legitimate. In Mark, we're in Mark 14 on Wednesday night. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Paul says, How that Christ died. You see the how that? So what do we need to know? We need to know how this happened. Well, where do I find that? In the Old Testament of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's where I find that. So I go and read those into those gospel accounts, and I get the details of how that Christ died. You see, I'm not back there going, oh, let's go to the tomb. He's not there. But I learn about the details. Look at verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So we can go back into the Old Testament. Actually, we go back to David, where we know that Jesus Christ is the seed of David. By the way, he's promised that in the Psalms, the Davidic covenant. I wasn't going to do this, but you're looking at me like, huh? You're looking at me like you go to Psalms 132. You're looking at me like you, I lost you back there at Good Morning. <laughs> and I don't, wanna, I don't want to, you to lose this, because I, I want you to grasp what, what Paul's doing. Psalms 132 is a song of degrees, okay? And it, you've got uh, verse 8, Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou in the ark of thy strength, the thy rest, that is his kingdom. Daniel 2, okay? Then he says, verse 10, For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Well, anointed is who? Christ, the Messiah. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Watch. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. Now that's 2 Samuel 7. What did he just promise David? A descendant of yours is going to sit where? On the throne. See? And by the way, that descendant is going to be who? My son, Jesus Christ. Go back to Romans 1. Well, how does David, what do we learn there? That means there has to be an issue of resurrection happen, doesn't it? Yes. Shake your head until it hurts. You see, what we can do, Romans 1.4, is we can go back into the Old Testament and we can learn about the royal right that the Son has of to be the seed of David. And then in verse 4, we learn that the Father had promised to David an eternal resurrection descendant. He's promised so that that demands, by the way, Psalms 132 demands resurrection of the descendant of David. See, so Paul starts Romans off with taking you back into, into the Old Testament to where you need to learn something about who the Lord Jesus Christ is and then about his resurrection. Do you see? I hope you see that. He doesn't go back and say, you need to obey this. You need to learn this because there's a, there's a, there's a reason. Come over to chapter 3. This isn't the... This is just another illustration, okay? I'm going to tell you the reason here in a, in a little, in, in about an hour, okay? 
I look at the clock and it's ticking quick. Romans 3, look at verse 10. As it is written. Now that is Paul's moniker when he's doing and dealing with the Old Testament. He never says it is fulfilled. As it is fulfilled. He says as it is written. So what does he do? He drags us back to Psalms 14. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. But what did he do? He says, okay, Gentiles, here's your condition. Okay, Israel, here's your condition. What are you? You're sinners, verse 9. And you know what that is? As it is written, and he goes to Psalms 14, what, and he says the same thing. Chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 3. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Then he goes, takes us back to Genesis 15. So what can we do? We can go back to Genesis 15. We can read and study that out and see what was going on when God declared Abraham's faith to be righteous. You see that? Because what's he going to do with you and I? He's going to do verse 5 with you and I. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. But if I go back to Genesis 15 and I can study the context, study the, the whole scene there, I can understand that God has always and only accepted faith. Not faith plus works, faith. Because what's their faith in the word of God given to them going to do? Produce the works. So you know what question I would never ask? Is how, what is, how does Israel get justified? That's a, that's, I would never ask that question. Why? Because Paul's just told me. It's by what? By faith. So you, you follow? Okay. So then when they don't do something, then they were never had, never had what? Faith. Faith is going to tell them, do what God's word said. And so if that nation isn't doing what God's word said, then what do they lack? Faith. Do you see how that works? Paul just very simply, he's not quoting and saying, you got to learn, you better be Abraham. If we were all to be Abraham, you know what we would be? We'd be 100 years old thinking we're going to have a kid. And our wives would be close behind, not able, and then we're wondering why God can't bless us. See, it just doesn't, it doesn't jive. Come on over to Romans 8. And this one is great right here. You got to, this is fantastic. So you can say, the and by the scriptures as an and of addition, a nice step, and, and that we can go back and understand the Old Testament. But you better be very careful that it's not for obedience, it's for what? Learning. And unfortunately, most of the time when people say that, they're going back for, we need to obey the Ten Commandments. We need to obey. We need to WWJD. What, you know, we need to do that. No, we can go back and look at it because our apostle does it that way. Look at 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sore? See that all that tribulation, all that physical stuff we're going to come into contact on a day-to-day -day basis. Now watch verse 36. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted, accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, why in the world are you quoting Psalms 44? Why right here, in, right before the thir verse 37, they and all these things were more than conquered. Why, do you why does Paul throw in Psalms 44? So guess what we got to do? Let's go back to Psalms 44. Because what's it triggering? Okay, Paul, why did you do this? <laughs> you know, it's like that old TV show. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Why did you do this? You guys, yeah, all right, catch up. You young kids, you can Google it or YouTube it, all right? You need to understand, by understanding Psalms 44, as it is written, we get a clearer picture of what Paul is telling us in Romans 8. Because what's going to happen is, is what is transpiring in Psalms 44 is a parallel to what Paul's communicating to us in Romans 8. It is not the same situation, 
it is a parallel situation because we are not in Psalms 44. You in Psalms 44? By the way, this is book two in the five books of the Psalms. This is a book concerning the Lord Jesus Christ as Israel's deliverer. If you look there at verse 40, uh, verse 4, Thou art my king, O God, command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them down, uh, 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 them under that rise up against us. That is not you. Rather, what's Paul going to do? He's going to say, you're more than a conqueror. Life isn't your enemy. See, you can win. Now, look at verse 11. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat and hast scattered us among the heathen. What is their condition in Psalms 44? Turmoil, tribulation, scattered. They're not at home. They're not in the land. They're out. They're being what? They're being, they're under, they're under the sword. They're in tribulation. They're in distress. They're in persecution. They're in nakedness. They're in peril. They're under the gun. See that? But now watch verse 22 because here's the quote. Yea, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. See the parallel. What Paul's doing is, is he's drawing a picture here. Notice how verse 22 starts. Yea, for what? Thy sake. See that? What does Paul do in Romans 8? As it is written... For thy sake. Why is the nation of Israel in the, tribu in the situation they're in in Psalms 44? For thy sake. What are they doing? They're being God's people. They're persecuted for that. And they've been scattered out. So in Romans 8, go back to Romans 8. What do we learn? Parallel situation for you and I. For when we are faithfully serving the Father. When we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, what are we? We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. What's going to happen? You're going to take it in the neck. Later in Timothy, he says, Yea, all those who will live godly shall suffer persecution. See, Paul's getting it to you early. See, in Romans 8, Paul, using Psalms 44, so that we're able to... to to understand and to recognize the rich meaning of being accounted for sheep as sheep for the slaughter, for his sake. It isn't, you're the sheep and, and you're going to get killed. You know, it, it's, hey, you've you got to see what's going to happen here. And you grasp a, a deeper meaning of really verse 37 of more than a conqueror. So what do we do? We go back and we spend time in Psalms 44. It's for our learning. We see why, you know, the first question when I read Paul quote the Old, script, Old, Old, Old Testament, I say, why are you quoting it? <laughs> and then I go back and read, and you know what you see? Parallel situation. Here's God's people. What are they doing? Faithfully serving the Father, doing. And what are they taking? They're getting their verse 35. They're under the tribulation, persecution. And yet, what did they do? For thy sake, they said, you know what we'll do? We'll be accounted as sheep for the slaughter. What can we do? Same thing. When we're taking it, because what are we doing? We're faithfully serving the Lord, doing, and we come get it in the neck, then what can we do? We can turn over and say what? Praise the Lord. At least, you know, my, my friends don't, or maybe my friends will outnumber my enemies, but usually it's the other way around. <laughs> my enemies outnumber my friends. I can't remember who said it because it just went through my mind. Somebody said it's better to be shot at and, mi and, and missed than shot at and hit. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's what we're dealing with here. Come over. You're back in Romans 9, right? What, I want you to, what I'm trying to get to with you is just see how Paul uses this, not for obedience of faith, but for our learning. If you look at verse 9, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse 17, For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, so where did we go now? Exodus 9. Even for this 
same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. So if we want to know something about the power of God and his name, what did Paul just direct you to go look at? Exodus 9. Go back and look at what he did with Pharaoh. He sends Moses in there and says, you tell that dude up there to let my people go, but he ain't going to do it, so I'm going to send ten plagues, and I'm going to kill, I'm going to destroy the ten gods of Egypt, and I'm going to put on display my power and my name. That's why when they're crossing the Red Sea, Moses will look back after the waters crush Pharaoh, and he'll say, Israel, see thy salvation. Why? You're saved by power and by blood. And those two things... We don't know anything about that until we go where? Back in the Old Testament when we learn about it. Chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 11. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. He quotes Isaiah 28, chapter 11, verse 2. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What ye not, what the Scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed. And he goes back and he quotes 1 Kings 19. And again, what is he doing? He's drawing a picture here so we can learn from it. And that's why when we come back to 15.4, he says what? It's for our learning. Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That. Why? I'm in 15.4. Why? That, the purpose, the intent, we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have, what? Hope. You see, it's to my advantage, it's to my benefit to go back into the Old Testament and learn and see why Paul pulls it and why Paul uses it, because look at what 15.4 brought up that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have what? Hope. And where does our hope anchored to? The Word of God. And what was the Word of God to Israel? What was the Word of God to Moses in dealing with Pharaoh? Do the, and what did we see happen? God true to His Word. So when God comes over here to you and I and says, I will raise you up, we can go what? He sure raised up his sons, and I'm in his son, so yeah, he'll do it. I will deliver. I will do this. And we go, yeah, he did it. back. And what we can do now is we can go to his word, and we can see in his word that he was true to it to Israel, therefore he will be what? True to it to you and I. And it eliminates the guesswork. Follow that? So now when I go and I read about the the, the, the rapture, the catching away, I don't have to say, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I can say what? He will do it. Why? Because look at what he did with it. Every time he said something that he would do to Israel, he's done it in that, in that Old Testament. Confidence is the right word. I can have confidence in what? In this book. In his word. And I can... Sit back and go, okay, I can ask the question, all right, why, Paul, why did you use this, Paul? I can go into that Old Testament, and you know what I can do? I can study it out, and I can gain the gra I can grasp the richness of who my Heavenly Father is. I can, really, I should just say who the Godhead is. And I can see Him work, and I can be solidified to it. By the way, that's why Wednesday nights has always been Old Testament Israel night. Why? Because we need to know that. That's why... Several years ago, and I spent 50-some weeks talking about understanding Israel on a Sunday night. Why? Because you got to know that stuff, not just to, to be able to debate and win, but so you have the confidence, you have the comfort, you have the patience and the peace of it. Why? Because what he said he did there, he, did he ultimately get Israel out of Egypt? Yes, he did. He took a little delay tactic. But he got there, okay? Now, go back to 1626. All right, we got 20 minutes to do the part three. Now, by the way, if you want to say it's and in addition, that's fine. But you need to be very clear in your conversation about it that it's for our learning, not obedience. Okay, you follow that? So it's a legitimate thing to say. And it's also a legitimate set to say that the and is an and of explanation. And, and I'll be honest with you, this is more where the, the direction that I tend to lead, lean. 
okay? But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. When he says here, and, by, and the issue of explanation, how was all of this truth, how was the my gospel, how was the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery made known? How was it made manifest? How did God make that glorious truth known to us 2,000 years later? Okay? Remember when we did the my gospel and we talked about Paul and the revelation of the mystery? And how he went up into Jerusalem, he, did, he didn't go see anybody. He got it right from the risen, ascended Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that? Okay. Then he did what? Then he wrote it down. Come over to Colossians 1. You see, I think this needs to be, how do we benefit from the revelation given to the Apostle Paul? How did we get it? How did it get to us? Colossians 1 verse 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Fill it up. Bring the word of God to a completion. So when he writes his last epistle, 2 Timothy, the canon of Scripture is complete. It was never to be added to. It was never to be taken away from. The Lord warns Israel three places in Deuteronomy, Proverbs, and Revelation. Don't mess with the book. He warns us through the pen of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, don't mess with the book. Or I'm sorry, yeah, 2 Corinthians 2. Don't mess with the book. So the book is going to become important here. But watch verse 26. Even so, which is given at the end of verse 25, to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to who? To his saints. Now think about that. Made manifest to his saints. Hold on to Colossians. Flip back there to back to six, Romans 16. Romans 16, 26. But now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to who? All nations. How do all the nations, how do all the saints, 2,000 years later, because he's tarried, delayed that long, how's it revealed to God's people? Well, what did he say? By the scriptures. See? How did he do that? That's, that's where we're at here. How does... So, when you think about this, all right, hold on to 1626, go back to Colossians 1, keep reading Here's Paul, Colossians 16, I'm sorry, Colossians 1, Romans 16. I just had a, my mind just went completely blank. So I'm firing blanks right now. How is it revealed to God's people? Here's God in his wisdom, verse 27, to God only wise. He's issued a commandment for the edification of the believer. His command is, you're going to follow my gospel, and then you're going to follow the preaching revelation of the mystery. That's his command. So if we're going to obey God's commands, what are we going to do? We're going to do it this way. His command is going to reveal to us how he made it available to all the nations, how he's made it available to all his saints. And what Paul's going to become consumed... Now go back to Colossians 1, because the computer's rebooted. Colossians 1, Paul is consumed with this issue. Verse 27, Colossians 1, 27. To whom God... To whom? Who? His saints. To whom God would make known with what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving together, uh, uh, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. What's Paul been out there doing? He's been consumed with who? Getting this command out there to all the nations. Making sure all the saints are on board and, and, are, are, and are edified and equipped. So in 16.26, he's consumed with that. So what God by commandment has deliberately purposed to do is to ensure that all the information which is required for us to be stable, to be established, and to be able to defeat the adversarial attack, he's fixed it so we have it. And we have equal access to that information where you're at, where I'm at, where anyone on time is at. And that's why you can let Colossians go. Well, don't let it go. I tell you, I'm on the, I'm on the third sheet here, okay? If you look at Romans 16.26, it doesn't say by the prophet's scripture. It says what? By the scriptures of the prophets. Okay? It doesn't say by the prophetical scriptures. It doesn't say by prophecy. You see, the issue isn't of the prophets. The issue is the scriptures. That's the issue. The issue isn't the prophet. The issue is the script. Now, you've got to think about this. Here is God and His wisdom. He's already determined the means by which we will have equal access to the edification design. Our, edi our access is in the what? Scripture. 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is given. See? We have equal access points to that. Colossians 1, verse 25. To fulfill the Word of God. Paul's epistles complete the Word of God. If you go back there to Colossians 4 and verse 16, what does he say to these guys? Colossians 4, 16. You see, there's this little thing in the early days of the body of Christ, the dispensation of grace, called the office of the prophet. But it's, it isn't, that office isn't the issue. The issue is the scriptures. And by, how does he, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures. Now he's going to use the prophet office because that's what the prophet does. But look at Colossians 4.16. And when this epistle is read among you, cause it to be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Come over to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. How does God make this stuff manifest? How, does he, how is he getting it out there so that you and I, 2,000 years, with confidence, as we look at our King James Bible, by the way, because we speak English, okay, if I spoke Russian, I would be looking for the Russian scriptures that are going to be equivalent to my, the King James, if you will, because that would indicate it came from the right text, translated out of the right text. Okay. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm preaching to the choir, but who knows who's online, right? But see, the thing is here, look, look at 1 Thessalonians 5.27. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. So come back to Ephesians 3. So You've got to think about this, because as he, and by the scriptures of the prophets, and everybody goes to the prophets, because that's, that's a wonderful big word. And they missed the, the scripture part. Look at Ephesians 3. Look at verse 3. We're just jumping in because of time. How that by revelation he made on, unto me the mystery, as I, what? Wrote a four and a few words, whereby when ye, what? Read, Ephesians 3, 4, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Notice Paul says, wrote, I wrote this stuff down. And then in verse 4, he says, you need to read it. Ain't that wonderful? If I'm going to 
write it down, and I'm going to have to read it. That means God has designed a what? To preserve it and to protect it. And because I can go back into the Old Testament and I can see the parallels and I can see God was true to His Word back there and He's going to be true to it today, then what can I know? He's going to be true to His Word about preserving His own Word. See? Verse 4, when ye read, ye may what? Understand. How do I have understanding? By reading what Paul wrote. And what did Paul write? He writes the Scriptures. Then he says to the churches... I want, other, I want the, all the saints to read this, so you're going to keep... The original goes in your notebook, Colossae, and then the copies go out to everybody else. And whose job was it to do that? The prophet. See. The issue is the Scriptures. Look at verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets... By the Spirit. Now, Paul's drawing a contrast here. Back up in verse 2, he says, If you've heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given me to you, word, as I wrote afore in a few, where, uh, how that by the revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, and when you read, you have understanding. See, what Paul's doing is, is I got it right from the, from the risen, ascended Lord Jesus Christ. I wrote it down, and the, whole, the work product of the Holy Spirit is the Word of God, and He's going to use the prophets, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to get it by the Spirit, not by direct revelation. You're getting it from the work product. Think that through. Because that you think, you know... The early days of the dispensation, come back, you're, uh, you're in, look over in chapter 4 of Ephesians. You see, in the early days of the dispensation of grace, God had set the Godhead, because in 1 Corinthians 12, all three are actively involved in this, but it's the Spirit that goes in and is His job to identify the men in the assembly who are going to hold the offices of. Ephesians 4, if you just look at verse 11, and he gave, obviously past tense, some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give them? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. How long are they there? Till we all come into the, un into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of, until that canon of scripture is complete, this office is going to be there. Apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers. Now, once the canon of Scripture is complete, 1 Corinthians 13, then what do we no longer need? We don't need the offices to be given. We still need the pastor-teacher. That's why in 1 Timothy 3, he will say, if, you, if any man desires, desire. See that? Not appointed by the Spirit, but desire. That means that, that gift is done. Why? Because the canon is coming complete. And he says, hey, if you desire the office of the bishop, you desire what? A good work. And here's some criteria. And the office of the deacon. Why does he? Why? It's, I'm not a gift given. I'm sorry. If you listen to our early days, come over to 1 Corinthians 12. If you listen to some of our, my messages in our early days, you would go, who in the world would ever have listened to this guy beyond that day? <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right? But when you get, so it isn't an office that way. I, I'm kind of off a little bit here, but just look at 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 28. Because when you think about a prophet, we usually think about Moses or Isaiah or Jeremiah. and okay, All of those guys, Moses, go write it in a book. Isaiah, go write it in a book. Jeremiah, write it in the scroll. And oh, by the way, Jerry, you got to write it again because the king killed it, chopped it up. He had to write the stuff too. Go write it what? In a book. So a prophet, historically, a prophet are those who foretold the future, but they also foretell, thus saith the Lord. See that? So Paul, he looks over there, and you know what he says? The prophet's job is to identify what I wrote as Scripture, that's why you got a book in your Bible called Colossians and not Laodicean. 
Remember Colossians there, the epistle. By the way, there is a difference between an epistle and a letter. They're different, and yet they're very similar. <laughs> okay? So when you think about this, look at first. So he says, hey, that prophet's job is to identify the scriptures and then to make the copies of, to send them out so that they stay what? Scripture. Because if the prophet said, okay, we're going to let George and Trevor and Bob do the copying. Well, Trevor's over there going, I need a Honda CR300 in that verse, and I need to, and George is over there meticulous, and Bob's like, what? What? You know? Ah, that isn't their job. It's the prophet's job to sit and to do. Why? Because the Spirit gave him that gift. You follow that? Now, look at 1 Corinthians 12, and look at verse 28. And God has set some in the church. Now watch. First apostles. Secondarily, who? Prophets. Thirdly, teachers. Isn't that interesting? Then after that, he quits numbering them. So who's important? Apostles, prophets, and teachers. By the way, the speaking in tongues is the last of the list in that verse. Come over to chapter 14. See, and what did Corinth do? They had taken the tongue talking and made it the big one. And Paul's like, you guys got this all out of whack. And I'm going to whack you back into shape. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. So what Paul is doing here is he's saying, how is this made manifest? By the scriptures. And whose job is it to confirm what is scripture and what is the prophets? They're going to identify it and they're going to make the copies out of it. Now, when the prophet's uh, uh, office or gift ceased, it becomes then the, cha- the, the authority and the challenge of the local assembly to keep the word populated, copied, and going. It's our job. Identify the scripture and then to keep it in print. Okay? Look at 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verse 37. 36. What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it uh, unto you only? What Boy, what, what some questions there. How do we know this? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual. Now, what would a prophet say? Thus saith the Lord, I got a vision in the night, and the Lord said, eat pizza. So we're having pizza. Let him acknowledge that the things that I speak unto you. No, it says what? I write. I what? I script it. The scriptures are the commandments of the Lord. What is that prophet going to do? He's going to acknowledge. He's going to identify. He's being used to provide an independent, authoritative validation of, yes, this is what God said. And then he's going to be used to make the distribution and to make the copies out. Now come back to Romans 16. Today, we sit where most have never sat in history, in that we have the completed Word of God. We have all that God has intended for the believer to have, to learn, to grow, to be established, to withstand the adversary. He doesn't have a volume two in the heavenly, going to pull it out later and say, okay, you got this one, oh, but you got to have this one too. No, it's all here. We have it in our language, English, King James Bible. That's why the Bible issue is such an issue, because you need to know what God says to you. So Paul, 1626 but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets. The issue here is the scriptures. How is he manifested? How does he manifest my gospel? How does he manifest the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret, but now made? How does he do that? By the scriptures. Who did he use to do that? The the, the agents, the prophets. By the way, do you know who, remember in Israel, whose job it was to do this with the Scriptures? The Levites, that 13th tribe, if you will. (laughs) Okay? You see, their job was to do what? Take that Scripture, copy it out, keep it in front of everybody. What is our, now that's our, that becomes our job. 
But now watch the end of that verse and we'll be done. According to, again, there's the standard, to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. You see, our stability depends upon knowing and conforming to the revelation of the mystery, conforming to what God has commanded for us today. And that's how we serve. That's how we live. That's how we move forward. To do anything else is to deny the commandment of the everlasting God. That's how serious this is. See, sometimes we, oh, you guys rightly divide and you just want to fight and win. No, this is serious. How as a believer am I established? How am I able to defeat the adversary? How am I to have victory in life? I'm to do it God's way. And how does he say do it? My gospel, preaching, growth, foundation, and grow. How does he accomplish it? By the scriptures. Okay? So you can take the and either way or take it in both. I usually try to take it in both. Addition and explanation. It gets a little tricky, okay? But, but you just, either way is good. But don't forget how we did this. By what? By revealing the Scripture. Now, next week we'll do verse 27, and that'll take us three weeks to get the why and the how, okay? To God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever, all right? Okay, we're a few minutes over, but you work on that. So we did one verse in one, one session. We're doing good, <laughs> I think. I look at your faces, and I don't know. You guys are going to have to work through that, all right? All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we just thank you for who we are in your Son. We thank you that we have your word, that we can study it, look into it, consider these things, and then have them be to our benefit, which then brings you honor and glory. In your name we pray.